I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman, joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Andrew Brooker. Hello. And for those of you expecting to hear the dulcet tones of Mike Shawcross, I <laughs> uh, can only apologise, I don't know where he is. No. Do you remember the time we were waiting for Jerry and we cancelled the podcast and what happened is he'd fallen asleep? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the same thing's happened to I Mike. Miss, I miss Jerry. <laughs> just cancel an entire recording because Jerry just dozed off. Yeah. There oh, we well. go. Anyway, on this podcast, obviously, we have got a quiz. We've got some news. We've got what we've been watching. And we've got some new releases featuring the intern, Sicario. And they said the chances of us reviewing it were a million to one. But we're talking <laughs> about The Martian. Gosh. Yeah. And oh. un- unusually... We're reviewing all three films before they're out in the UK, which is the first, I oh, think. Oh, how have we seen them? It's all illegal and stuff. We're all a bit... No, we're not. We're just preview screenings. Yeah. Not special preview screenings. No. We don't. We didn't get like invited to the, no. the ones that we found and out of our own pocket gone to see. But um... for, for anyone... To the unlimited card. Yeah. For anyone who's interested... Um, because I know the Wiki Shuffle have a lot of listeners around the pool Dorset area. If you want a preview <laughs> screening in Dorset, you will not find one. Nothing happens around here. Yeah, you need to move to uh, Milton Keynes, Steve. What, what they did actually once, the only thing I can remember to do a film, the Sir Nabbish Giant in, in Dorset, the big like stone naked man with a big willy on the hill. For the Simpsons movie, they did a big Homer Simpson next to him and loads of pagans got really funny about it. <laughs> What was the Homer Simpson doing? It was just like his head. It was just a picture of his head. Oh, okay. Like next to the CERN average giant, a load of pagans got really like funny and everyone else was shut not, up. Not a giant naked Homer Simpson. Yeah, they missed no. a trick there. Yeah. With, with his podger out. Yeah. Any, anyway, <laughs> we'll, start, we'll start with the quiz. Uh, last week, Owen beat me. Maybe watch Citizen Kane, a film I said I was, I was never going to watch, mm. but I kind of had to because them's the rules. Yep. And I did so. Yes, um, I won't go into to loads of detail because most people listening to a, a film podcast have probably seen it uh, and like films and things, not like me. And yeah, I, I I thought it was good. It it you know kept me enthralled throughout, but I just still don't see why it's got the reputation that it does and the acclaim that it does. I, I just didn't get that kind of wow. This is like cinema history I'm watching here so, yeah, this is good this is good um, you know I didn't start doing other things while I was watching it. I didn't start playing with my phone or anything I what it but I wasn't like wow 
I think that's not an entirely <laughs> unusual reaction for people to have watching it now because um I mean maybe maybe it, it's because I'm not such a cinephile I couldn't reel off a, a list of directors and producers and I couldn't talk about yeah lighting and direction and style and and I've got about as much nuance as a punch in the face <laughs> so maybe maybe that's why I didn't get that that element of it well it could it could be to something along those lines or it could just be the fact that you know what Citizen Kane did is now so commonplace that you watching it um sort of retrospectively means that all the things that you see in every film that come, comes out, you know, every time the sort of camera moves. I mean, that was kind of new. Orson Welles was was one of the pioneers of moving the camera at the same time as characters were moving on screen. And you think something just as little as that was so revolutionary um, back then, sort of 1941, that it, it, it's... It's important. It's an important film for what it did. And if you think of it within the context, it's very important. But I watched it and I thought it was a great film. Um, but I know, you know, I can definitely see where you're coming from because films are so subjective anyway. And lots of people seem to have the same opinion of, yeah, great. It, it was, it, I'm glad it happened, but it's an okay film. So I don't yeah. think you're on your own there. And I don't necessarily think that's because you're not a cinephile to use your sort of own own word there i think it's oh, it's not my own word look in the dictionary it's there is it you didn't yeah. make that up no no um you're not the wordsmith i thought you were steve no. that's no. a shame that's my illusions shattered uh <laughs> but i you know I, I at least you you watched it uh you did sort of follow up on that and give it a go and was there anything about it that you did like? I mean, no, so, was... so I thought it was a good film. I liked, I liked it. It was, a, but it was just for me an enjoyable film of that type of kind of. Well, it wasn't like a, yeah, police film because it wasn't. You know, it was a journalist doing the investigating, but it was that kind of you know an investigation to to somebody uh, and that kind of thing. You know, yeah. for a film of that type, it was it was good. It, you know, there wasn't anything I disliked about it really. I just didn't think it was as as great as what, or as important, yeah. but, you know. Um, and now well, hundreds of gifs, hundreds of internet memes, hundreds of, of references in The Simpsons will suddenly start yeah, to make sense. There's the Kane from Citizen Kane. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there is no Kane in yeah. Citizen Kane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but everything from like the clapping, Orson Welles bit to uh, Rosebud. Whenever yeah. the word rosebud is used in stuff, now you've got the context for it. I think it yes. was it was worth a watch. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, onto the quiz itself, and obviously yes. one of the main reviews we're doing this week is The Martian. The Martian is set on Mars, which is a different planet to this one. So what I've Thanks. got in the quiz is I'm just helping people out. Not everyone's as into science as us. So <laughs> yeah, true. We might not have astrologists listening <clears throat> to us. No. It's, it's true. Um, so anyway, I've got a list. It's a best of five, or best, yeah, best of five, and I've got a list of five different planets from films. And you've got to tell me, shout out your names, and then you get to go first and tell me which film that planet is from. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be so shit at this. So, so have I said? Who is your Star Wars knowledge, Brooker? Don't, None. You don't have to worry too much about Star Star Wars. Eh? But you know, okay. there's a. Uh, so say I said Mars. One of you, so. And then you, Owen, knew the answer. You go, Owen, the Martian, and then you'd win the point. So that's how it'll work. 
for, the for those who don't understand quizzes. So I've explained space and I've explained quizzes so far today. Yeah. What else will I explain? Who knows? We're not done yet. Um, the first one, though, the first planet is Morag. Oh, God, I should know that. The planet Morag. Yes. Um, fuck. Don't. Uh, it's, it's, trying, I can't even think of anything with that. Is it Serenity? No. Brooker, take a guess. Star Wars. No. No. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll give you both a clue. Then. Okay. This film was released within the last 18 months. Within the last 18 months. Uh, when was this just over Star a year Trek ago film out? No, that's well before that. Yeah. Just over. Oh, uh, Brooker. Yes, Guardians. It is. Oh shit! Yeah, it's the planet that Peter Quill is first on where he's doing his little dance. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of there course. So yes, Brooker one nil. Uh, next up, the planet LV dash four two six. Brooker. L- Yes, Brooker. Aliens. It is aliens. <laughs> Shit, I'm losing this one then. Uh, the next planet is, uh, and I need the correct film from the series, not just the series itself, Solust. Uh, Owen? Yes, Star Owen. Trek, Wrath of Khan? No. Not a clue. Star Wars. <laughs> need, need, need the film from, the, the correct film from the series. Jedi. You're right. No way! (laughs) So, so, yes, um, uh, Brooker has won the quiz. Best of five. So he's winning one. Now let's just do the other two because I took the effort to to do them. (laughs) This one, just the the series or or the the universe or whatever that it's in will do. And that's Romulus and Remus. Star Trek. Yeah, that's Star Trek. And the final one I had was Clendarthu. Or Clendarthu. Oh, Fuck. Bollocks. No, it's gone. Clendarthu. Oh, Dave still. No. No? Bollocks. No, Clatau was the, the the person thing. Oh, yeah. Shit. Um, I know it. How old is the film it's from? It is... Ooh. 18 years old. Oh, crap. It's that fucking Verhoeven movie. Bollocks. Total Recall? No. Oh. <laughs> That's Mars. <laughs> is it? Oh, yeah. Get your ass to Mars. Oh, fuck's sake. Uh, Up. But Brooker is right. Fucking bugs. Starship Troopers. That's it. <laughs> there we are. That's the quiz. Brooker wins. Owen 1-0 down. Uh, going into next week. Uh, on to the news, where Sam Smith's Bond theme tune, Writings on the Wall, has been released. Yeah, a lot has been said about this online. Um, if you were even within 50 metres of a phone that had the Twitter app on it when that, that theme tune came out, you will have heard it because it was everywhere. It bombarded my Twitter, Facebook feeds, news websites, everything. Um, mainly with people going, it's shit. Uh, I think some people quite, um, sort of 
stood back and said, well, we'll wait to see how it fits in with the film. And, you know, that that may be them being a bit kind, but it doesn't really sound very Bondy to me. It doesn't sound like a Bond theme. Um, I mean, he's not the type of, of music that I like or listen to. There's no doubting he's certainly got a good voice. Um, but I can't, I haven't heard the song yet, so I'm not really that bothered. Oh. But, um, but he, he, from what I've heard of his, because my girlfriend really likes him, I can't, what I've heard of his stuff doesn't really sound like he could do or work a James Bond theme. Is he, a, is he an X Factor guy? No. No? All right. No. Is he Britain's Got Talent guy? No, he's, he's a self made artist. Yeah, not relying Someone's on TV talent shows. Signed a guy that sounds like he's farting in the bathtub. <laughs> uh, I, I honestly, I'd no, I'd no idea who he was until he was announced as doing the Bond theme. He's a fairly big dude. He's done pretty big in America as well. Is he? Yeah. Um. Okay. I, d- I just when I heard it, I said to the wife, so "Is that the ginger dude?" Apparently, I get him confused with Ed Sheeran. Oh, I, I have heard of Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I don't know any stars. of them. Oh, Owen, Owen's at uni. Yeah, I've heard of Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I know Ed Sheeran. Fair as earlier material myself. <laughs> um, Saw him in a bar once. Yeah, like his <laughs> underground shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know about this, this thing. I think what it lacks is a catchy chorusy bit. You know, there's no. It's just a, a, a cacophony of orchestral sounds to me um and it just reminds me of the bit from the thick of it where he says it's just fucking vowels and it's just, <laughs> it's, that's just how it sounds to me it's just a whining noise i mean kind but, of the it was epitomized for me my when my boss played it on the computer at work he hmm. got six seconds into it and went nope turned it off and went that's not a fucking bond theme and left it at that it's it's just a, a kind of escalating bit of, like I said, orchestral noise and sounds. And Bond needs to have a catch. It needs to have a hook. It needs to have a beat. It needs something that that will make you, if not sing along to it, at least remember it. What is it? It needs to get four or five films down the line and you still remember the song. And this one, you're just not going to, are you? No, no. I mean, it, it may turn out that it fits in perfectly well in the film itself. Could have been yeah. Adele. I don't mind her song, Skyfall. It was alright. I just I've got a real thing against bad songwriters who can't make words rhyme. <laughs> that it really bugs me. It's like a yeah. real bugbear of mine. I just I have to switch songs off when it does it. If you can't make up a word that rhymes with it, change your fucking lyrics. What if you want to use the word purple? Well don't Turtle. Yep. Or use it before the end of the line. Conatello's mask is purple. He's a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Wow. There you go. Lyrics. Poetry. (laughs) It's still better than the fucking Bond song. (laughs) Next bit of news. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Next bit of news. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one in here that we didn't put in the in the um, agenda. But the Simpsons writers, yeah, they still got them. Believe it or not, (laughs) have announced the day that. Character Waylon Smithers is going to come out as gay. Okay. Yeah. Even though, like, it's been a running joke and pretty common knowledge that he is anyway, 
then yeah, that's what's happening now. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think that I had this conversation with someone quite recently about um, soap operas, and he was saying I absolutely detest soap operas. The the horrible things, the writing's always crap in them. You know, they're just so overblown, and people grow up and think that it's normal to behave in this over dramatic way, and you have to constantly have drama in your life. And I sort of said, yeah, I kind of understand this point of view. But the, the rebuttal to that is it makes some things normal um, and accepted that before it was common in a very popular TV show wouldn't have been. One of those things has been things like uh, gay relationships. And it, you, can, you can say it's not solely down to, to TV or soaps or even The Simpsons, you know. But when you see stuff like gay relationships in, a, um, let's say, EastEnders, right? That has an audience who perhaps it might make them think about their opinion or change their mind if beforehand they'd been anti-gay relationships or had thought things about that that kind of person. So it might seem like it's not that big a deal, but I still think there's value in something as popular as The Simpsons turning... this 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 joke about Smithers into an okay thing that he doesn't have to be in the closet he can be openly gay and the people of the Simpsons world will recognize and accept him um and then that will have a positive impact on the younger people who will be watching it the thing is I think he is openly gay in the Simpsons a character who just never explicitly said well they've kind of done things with him like um he collected dolls, didn't they? Yeah. And that was kind of like a hint that he'd be gay because he likes dolls. Whereas, but that was about that was about twenty years ago, wasn't it? That was a, a fair while. I think in the newer ones, they they've kind of been more forward to the fact that he is, and they, but they just not actually come out and go, yeah, he's gay. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, in, for people who are gay, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, I haven't come out as gay because I'm not gay, but there's nothing wrong with being gay. Anyway, shut, I'll shut up, I'll stop picking the hole. But, you know, it, to, for somebody to come Sorry, out why as haven't, gay... Sorry, why haven't you come out? Because I'm not gay. That's right, usually just, the, just, the just reason making, people don't. Just making sure. I just yeah. remember when... Um, there was all this, in, you know, from football about uh, not being any gay footballers and a, and a journalist for the 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 Daily Mail, obviously, the, the sports journalist, so Martin Samuel, suggested that, that Joey Barton, a completely heterosexual footballer with a, with a partner and a family, come out as gay just because it would help. <laughs> what wow. are you talking about? That makes literally no sense. No sense. Yeah. What well, if it, it, if anyway. it helps... If it helps other people to come out, come out who are hiding in the closet at the moment, then yeah, fine. I'll come out as gay on the podcast. I mean, I've got a wife and stuff, but you know, whatever. If it helps somebody, I'm else. sure she's as shocked as we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, we thought know, Callum might have done a few weeks ago. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I think that um, just to 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 get back to um, the point, the, the Simpsons. Have, I wish they just stopped making them. I wish they would stop making them, but. In having Smithers come out as openly gay, I think is a, is a big deal. I think it's a big thing, and um, it's one of the few things that they'll do right by the characters at this point. Instead of having, well, I suppose it could. It's not really a shock. It's not really a controversial thing to get audiences in. Like when they say, "Oh, we're going to kill off 
a character. You'll have to tune in to find out which character is going to be killed off. Or, or read it? next week's TV guide. <laughs> yeah, or don't watch it and just don't give a shit anymore. But there's, you know, to 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 do something like this is commendable, I think. Anyway, onto the onto the other news. That Who was that for just, not being yeah. prepared? You know, I know. That was just a curveball. Good that. Um, Prometheus Two has a new name. It's Alien: Paradise Lost, and Ridley Scott will direct all three Prometheus sequels. I like Prometheus still. I've seen it twice, uh, three times, like, in fact, I think, and I've liked it every time. Yep. I, I don't know how they're going to do three sequels. And this is three Ridley Scott films plus Neil Blomkamp's movie. Yes, because he's doing an alien. Doing an alien. Surely at some point, someone goes, we're doing too much. For fuck's sake! It doesn't. It doesn't have the feel of, of Marvel or Star Wars, where they can make a whole universe. Yeah, but there is more to the um, mythology of Alien. Um, oh, there's a lot more, and you know the 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 books, the tie-in books, and things like that. There's lots of story that goes in a lot of different directions, but to purposely announce four films, no. Y- um, it might be a bit early, particularly as Ridley Scott is getting on. I mean, he's in his seventies, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, um, and has he got you know, four the films last in it? Ten years or so. His his films have been a bit hit and miss, haven't they? Oh I yeah. Like, I like most of his films, and I enjoy almost all of them. But to call any of them really, really good films, it's a tough sell nowadays. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, they might do what they did with some of the Pirates of the Caribbean films, just film all back to back. Get it all done, and you know, yeah, you can just get it all done in one lot. Yeah, I mean, possibly. Um, although, yeah, no, I suppose they could do that, I guess. Uh, but the, the, I think the the title of the the next film is quite good. I like the Alien Paradise Lost title. I think that's that's quite fitting for Prometheus too, because um, the whole of Prometheus is about the origin of of uh, mankind of humanity and so paradise lost obviously if anyone knows john milton's poem or anything like that it is it's a it's a great title actually the first thing i thought was that is they've chosen well for that but it has Um, a big big name to live up to already two big names in that respect doesn't it it's got the big name in its franchise and it's it's namesake in paradise lost yeah he could yeah. easy, you know, he could so easily screw that up. Oh, absolutely! And I don't yeah. want to say he will because I, I do. I really like his films, and mm-hmm. I love Alien as you know, even Prometheus and the fucking ghastly AVP films. I enjoy all of them. <laughs> well, I thought the first Alien versus Predator was okay. It was kind of entertaining. It was an action film. It was just a stupid action film yeah. with dodgy-looking characters. Two was terrible, but I Requiem still enjoyed it. Dire. Was... But but I still watch it every now and then because it's just dumb junk food film mm. but it is fucking terrible yeah whereas uh, Prometheus tried to be more uh, in, of an intelligent science fiction film it did and I think the Prometheus's biggest problem was probably the fact that everybody expected it to be a direct alien sequel I don't think this uh, alien prequel sorry and I don't think Fox or Ridley Scott or anybody helped that fact when they didn't come out and outwardly deny it until the film was out instead of quelling rumors yeah. quick enough for us to mm. go, okay, we're just going to go see a movie that somewhere on the line might tie into the alien franchise. 
I think it, it is definitely a, an alien prequel, but it's oh, not... It definitely is, but it's not really, directly, really obvious. Yeah, it's not a film that leads into uh, Alien. It's not like um, uh, The Thing prequel or anything no. like that, you know. It's not a setup for the next one. It's kind of just... A, set up for the next sequel. Yeah, because it was... Three it was sequels. A, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, but I, I will check them out as long as they get made. I think Paradise Lost isn't out until 2017 at the earliest. Yeah. So there's still a, still a while to go yet on so, that. So you can look at it two ways. There's either three Prometheus sequels or three Alien prequels being made. Either way, I'm dubious. Yeah, I think I've, I'm pretty sure I heard before Ridley Scott say he doesn't count Aliens as part of his franchise. Um, well, it's not really his choice anymore, is it? Because it definitely is. Well, t- uh, technically, I mean, it's like Alien versus Predator isn't an alien film; it's a Predator film. Um, if if you look at the universe they're supposedly set in, there are lots of themes that are very similar between Prometheus and Alien versus Predator. Believe it or not, a yeah. lot of the history of um, the uh, the origin bit of of where mankind comes from is is very close. But technically, the Alien versus Predator films are part of the Predator franchise, which is strange, I know, and not technically part of Alien. So in Aliens, you've got Alien, Aliens, um, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection. And Alien Resurrection is just... that's If that's considered canon, but Aliens isn't, yeah, that's just completely wrong on so many levels. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, yeah, you know, I think, um, yeah, Prometheus... Two, three, four, whoever many do get made. I'm I'm kind of excited at the announcement more than really expecting them to to be consistently good. Um, I do kind of hope that we don't have to wait until all three films are done before we see Blomkamp's one though. Yeah, Blomkamp's one really interests me. And originally, I know Fox said they were going to hold off his one till Prometheus Two was done. But if we've now got to wait till after Prometheus Four. Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna have retired, I think, by then. <laughs> yeah. So I thought we've been watching now where we take a look at some of the films we've seen in the last seven days that aren't new releases. Uh, Owen, why don't you start us off in this section? Yeah, okie dokie. I watched um, a film because uh, I, th- I talked about it. I watched Dawn of the Dead again last week um, as part of our triple bill films made for for less than a million dollars. I also watched Day of the Dead um, for the first time with uh, the commentary on the Blu-ray uh, with the special effects team and makeup artists who worked on Day of the Dead. So there's uh, Greg Nicotero, people might know his name because he's also currently doing all the special effects or in charge of the special effects for The Walking Dead. Um, but it's also got Howard Berger, Everett Burrell, uh, Mike Deke, who 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 was sort of, sort of also involved. And one of the things they were talking about on this commentary, um, because they were all talking about the special effects, they also mentioned some of the other films that, and projects that they were involved with and some of the things they pulled out of to do Day of the Dead. Um, one of the things they mentioned was From Beyond. 
Um, and do you remember I, I, I also mentioned last week I watched Bride of Reanimator and uh, chose Reanimator as part of my, my triple bill. Well, uh, it's the same team, again, behind From Beyond. So, of course, I then decided to, to check Netflix. Um, I think it was on Netflix US even and watched uh, From Beyond. So 1986 comedy, horror, sci-fi film, full to the brim of gore, good blood splatter um weird like holographic creatures from another dimension um but basically try and think of hellraiser but instead of cenobites it's an angry sex fiend who's come back from a different dimension and um yeah That's right up my street it's yeah but it's it's great i really liked it for the first sort of I don't know, it's, it's only a very short film. It's about 80, 85, 90 minutes long. For the first hour or so, I was watching it thinking, this is just fucking brilliant. All of it is so well done. Jeffrey Coombs, of course, again, is superb, as he always is. Um, you've also got uh, uh, Ken Foray, who's in it, as um, kind of like a cop bodyguard, a sort of PI kind of, kind of guy. And he's also there with Barbara Crampton, uh, who are investigating this house where Jeffrey Coombs created an experiment to uh, this this thing called a resonator, which swells a certain part of your brain so that you can see a different spectrum. So the idea is that all around us, all of the time, are these creatures in a different dimension. They're floating around in a special sort of... Um, not abilities, but it's, they, they kind of have a special effect on the people who see them. Um, and if you do happen to see them, only when this resonator is, is, is on, this resonator machine is on, then they kind of attack you and bite you and stuff. But they also have this effect where they increase your sex drive as well. It's sort of like a side effect of this machine. But it's, it's so, like, not a devious sex film. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It is, it's kind of a straight-up comedy with some brilliant like sci-fi ideas. It's based on a H.P. Lovecraft story. And what I really want to do now is dig out some H.P. Lovecraft books and short stories, and if I can find any of his, his work anywhere. Because I've never really um, kind of watched much of, of his adaptations. You know, uh, Reanimator, of course, is... Is one of them the same team again um, from From Beyond and Reanimated series? Also did a film called Dagon, which also sounds fucking bizarre and weird. But at the time, they were um, considered to be the new Roger Corman and Vincent Price because what they did for Edgar Allan Poe, it was like what Stuart Gordon and Brian Usner and Jeffrey Coombs were doing for H.P. Lovecraft. So if anyone listening has watched all of these films, can give me some recommendations for where to start next. I would love it if you could just tweet us in, uh, which is just at Fail Critics, or post on our Facebook page, or just email us, failcritics at gmail.com if you like. I, I want some recommendations for where to go next. I've got a feeling that these H.P. Lovecraft stories are going to be my next obsession. So if you can point me in any direction, please do. Uh, but as for From Beyond, I, I really highly recommend it, particularly as we're coming up to sort of Halloween next month. And um, if you're going to look for some of these sort of easier to get hold of, but good quality 
classic cult films from beyond should definitely be on your list it's just superb Okay. And the special effects in it are great. I've no idea who did them, actually, because it turns out that uh, Greg Nicotero and his team weren't involved. But, uh, yeah, the, the the special effects and gore, just, wow. It, really impressive stuff. So uh, Greg Nicotero's having an easy an easy job if he's doing the special effects on Fear the Walking Dead because for a zombie show, there are fuck all zombies in it. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that in the last episode. I mean, it was just one. Yeah. There should be at least in a zombie show. There should be at least as many zombies as there is real people in the duration of the program. Mm. I think the thing about The Walking Dead, we've talked about it a lot in the past, but The Walking Dead is so unsubtle because the name refers to the people. Yeah, well, zombies. But the but fear the Walking Dead sucks. I like it. I'm I surprised. Just, I it's... can't even remember any of the characters' names, and I watched one episode before I started the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the main dad guy, his name begins with T. It might be Terence. Anyway, <laughs> on to the films I have seen this week. I've seen three films for the first time, one of which may surprise It's Beverly Hills Cop. I've not seen it before. Um, it actually makes for an interesting but short triple bill, I think, at some point. Of the of three films, like three big films that have passed us by, mm. but you know, it wouldn't last very long. So we'd have nothing to talk about. Essentially, it'd be, in, <laughs> it'd be interesting to see which films, the kind of, the, you know, with such big reputations, cult films, popular films, whatever, that for whatever reason the, the podcasters have have not seen. Anyway, so yes, uh, I've never, I've actually just done that. I've never seen Schindler's List. What? No, I you... haven't either. What the? What? There you go. We're in a film podcast and I've never seen Schindler's List. The most I know about Schindler's List is during the episode of Seinfeld, where they were talking about making out at the back of Schindler's List <laughs> in the cinema. Fucking <laughs> hell. Well, uh, you must have some, Brooke. There must be some that you've, like, massive Yeah, there must be some. There absolutely must be. I don't think there are any as big as Schindler's List, though. Yeah. It's a pretty big one, isn't it? That is... Uh, yeah, I mean, what, that, what's, on, what's on Brooke's list of films you haven't seen? I'm trying to think. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any. I will think of some. Have you seen the Harry Potter films? Yes. Because I haven't. Yeah. I'm really yeah. sad, actually, because we got a... Uh, we went down to, you know, where Harry Potter World is? Down the road? No, but carry on. Uh, Watford Way, they've opened up Harry Potter Studios. Oh, yeah, yeah. The tourist yeah, attraction. Yeah. Well, we yeah. got Hogwarts, tickets. Watford, same. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. But we, we got tickets to the soft opening, so I went down there with absolutely no idea what the fuck I was going to look at because I hadn't seen any of the films uh, and then spent a couple of hours walking around this place looking at all the, the effects and all the filmmaking stuff and all that lot and I came home and obviously this was back when love films had existed properly and I literally I love filmed every film one after the other in about two weeks and I wow. enjoyed them you're a better really? man than me I yeah. quite like them how long does it take you to get through them Steve? oh at least a month eat one yeah. The last film may be the biggest pile of horse shit I've ever seen. It's far too fucking long and nothing fucking happens. But they were right. I, quite, I enjoyed yeah. them. I literally, okay. as we're what... talking, I'm trying to find films that I haven't seen. How do you look for films that you haven't seen? The IM... I've just brought up the IMDB Top 250. Okay. Yeah. So on. I'm going to read through them and you <laughs> shout stop when I come to a film you haven't seen. I don't want to hear my opinion on films tonight then. Oh, <laughs> <hell>. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> So, 
I'll start at number one and work my way down. Shawshank Redemption, Godfather, Godfather Part 2, The Dark Knight, 12 Angry Men, Schindler's List, Pulp Fiction, Good, the Bad and the Ugly, Lord of the Rings Return of the King, Bike Club, Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring, Star Wars Episode 5, Forrest Gump, Inception, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Lord of the Rings Two Towers. Fuck me, all three of those are in the top 20. They don't fucking Good... belong there either. <laughs> Goodfellas, Matrix, Star Wars A New Hope, Seven Samurai, City of God, Seven, The Silence of the Lambs, Usual Suspects, It's a Wonderful Life, Life is Beautiful, yeah. Leon, but Life is Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so that's number 26. That ain't bad. That's good. I'm impressed. <laughs> Life is Beautiful was James's favourite film, I think, or one of them. Why have I never um, heard of Life is Beautiful? It's the Italian film about the um, guy, the Jewish guy in the concentration camp, and he sort of turns it all into a game because he sneaks his son in. Mm. So it's kind of a weird film because it's about a very tragic time in our why, recent why history. Would you sneak, why would you sneak your son into a concentration camp? Because he didn't he want didn't his son to go off and be gassed, I suppose. Just keep his son with him. But he then turns it into like a game for the kids, so the kid's unaware of what's really going on. Have you seen that? Yeah, is, yeah. Is yeah. it worth watching? Uh, yeah, I think it it's slightly suffers from being a kind of 90s sentimental film but it's, it's done very it's well the director is sentimental as the english patient no not like not that bad it's nothing like that no, it's, I, uh, I could probably sit through it then yeah i can it, it's kind of one of those that's a, a bit hard to watch because of what they're trying to show in a comedic light um not for to make light of it you know but it's the way that they can talk about it cool. i guess it's a yeah, it's quite an um a well a well done film. I'll give it a butcher's. Yeah. Uh, Won three Oscars apparently. There you go. Anyway, sorry, anyway, him. sorry, we've yeah, left, we've left time now. Beverly Hills yeah. cop, it's Eddie Murphy, he's a he's a cop and he goes <laughs> to Beverly Hills and he solves some crimes because his mate got killed by some gang and he was trying to find out who'd done it. Uh very, very eighties, but very, very good as well. It, it's funny, it's got some good action. Eddie Murphy's on, on top form. But yeah, it's 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 very eighties. It's all right though, isn't it? The comedy holds up all right. Yeah, the, no, that's what I mean. The comedy holds up well. Eddie Murphy is. This is when he's not making shite like Norbit. <laughs> yeah, this is when he's this good. Is when phase, he let other people star in films with him. This is peak Murphy. <laughs> this is before uh, Lenny Henry was the new Eddie Murphy. This is yeah. before. This is before Scary Spice. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we won't say any more about that. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the cop car, which is two kids, uh, they're having a walk about and they find a police car and they end up basically nicking it off of the police sheriff of their town, which is Kevin Baker. Not actually Kevin Baker, he just plays the guy. Um, it was actually <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Um, is that it, how movies work? Yeah. I could have sworn it was yeah. actually Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Um, and Kevin Bacon's police sheriff is a bit of a baron. He's he's a bit you know it's a good film it's it's dark as well it's got some funny moments and the two the two child actors in it are very good Kevin Bacon's really good and I haven't seen him quite as good as this for for a long while especially not in fucking EE adverts I've been rammed down my throat for a couple of years um, but no he's really good and it kind of is uh, not deranged or anything but kind of 
he's trying to cover up what he's doing from the police and get the police car back without getting found out because of what he's doing that he shouldn't be doing. The, the, the child actors, the, the characters, kind of really seem oblivious to the severity of nicking a police car, regardless of what else is going on. And without getting into too much detail, the, the ending does get a bit dark, but it is it is a good film all round. Uh, definitely worth seeing if you can get hold of it. It might be a bit tricky to get hold of, but uh, well, it's only just come out, hasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. But yes, yeah, it's, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. And then the other film I've seen is Cooties, which is out, I think, this week or next week in the UK, going straight on to on demand or iTunes. Stars Elijah Wood and the guy who played Dwight in the American Office um, as teachers in a school where the children um, become zombies, essentially. Um, really funny, really enjoyable, good. I mean, there's nothing new about it in terms of a zombie film. It is kind of by the books for a comedy zombie film, but it is very funny. The jokes work, the jokes hold up. The characters are uh, believable for the most part. It's um, Yeah, I think it's one that you'd enjoy, Owen. Yeah, I've, I've had it on my radar for a while. Um, it seems like it would be quite fun. It, it ends a bit abruptly, though. You don't, It kind of just ends. You think, all mm. oh, right. From what was happening here, there'd be a bit more to it, but um, no, it's good. Um, I'd, I'd recommend it. I'd recommend all the films I've seen to anyone. And Brooker, what have you seen? Uh, for for reasons that will become apparent when we do the actual reviews, I revisited, analysed this at the weekend. Uh, it's an old '99 movie that I had seen previously. I really liked it, and. Yeah, after seeing trailers for The Intern, I kind of wanted, and talking about Robert De Niro in comedies, I kind of wanted to watch a proper Robert De Niro in a comedy. Uh, so yeah, we, we sat and watched Analyze This over the weekend. And you know what, you know, 15, 16 years later, this the, the comedy about a, a shrink who looks after a mobster, it's basically the comedy version of The Sopranos. The Sopranos, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it it still holds up. It's still so funny, and just it's so self-aware. Every scene you can see, De Niro's clearly happy. He's having a piss taken out of like the previous thirty years of work that he's had. He's absolutely brilliant. I really I cannot fault it at all. Sequel, not quite so much. Analyze that. Analyze that. Still pretty yeah. funny, but a bit of a shit cash in. But it's still got yeah. it's still got Harold Ramis's touch to it, and I don't think I can fault many Harold Ramis comedies. He's done a couple of shit ones, but he made Groundhog Day, so he's all right in my book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, analyze this is quite good, mainly because it's that chemistry between Robert De Niro and Billy Crystal that's it's what kind of makes it work. Really, yeah. I think the the concept is a bit obvious. <laughs> Yeah. Um, to, to put it bluntly, the fact because it got... came out in the same year that The Sopranos started is insane. Yeah. Oh, it's a weird coincidence, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, but it really, but, I sat and watched it, and I was, I was still in bits, absolutely pissing myself at it. Yeah, I, I, I can remember it being quite good. I didn't, I only watched it a couple of years ago, I think, and. Um, it, 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 I was half expecting to cringe 
Earth Tier. Uh, and I didn't. It was it was like you say. It was, it was quite funny. It was um, presumably better than the majority of De Niro's other comedies. Yeah, De Niro in comedy, especially recently, is not such a good thing. Yeah. But yeah, ninety nine when he was still doing serious stuff, you know, and not just shitty hash Meet the parents and stuff. Yeah, like. Meet the parents I quite enjoyed. But that wasn't really him, was it? That was the other douchebag, forgotten his name. Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I quite enjoyed Meet the Parents. I liked him in Meet the Parents for pretty much the same reasons. He plays the the ultra-serious, straight-laced dude, mm. really, in a, but doing it in a comedy, comedic role very, very well. I think he's hilarious. But yeah, his recent stuff, just absolutely not. Time for us to have a crack at some new releases now. Owen, you've seen The Martian, um, new film starring Matt Damon. Then talk us through it. Okay, I will. So, we've already kind of talked about um, Ridley Scott. Uh, it's basically The Martian is his new film. And I always think there's two different types of Ridley Scott. You've got the Ridley Scott who seems to make. The, he's got one of those names. If you say it too many times, it just seems it doesn't make sense anymore. He but appears in Rid- the mirror. Ridley Scott. Um, Ridley doesn't sound like a real name. Ridley Scott. Uh, Ridley he, Scott. Ridley Scott. And he, there he is. There he is. Yep. Yeah, he just appears. And what did Candyman do? Just stab you with a hook thing, a scythe. I don't yeah, know. something like that. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. He. Um, I think there's two different Ridley Scotts who turn up to make films. You've got the one guy who is very ambitious, who clearly has a direction to take his projects in and kind of more often than not fails at doing that. I'm thinking Kingdom of Heaven, uh, you know, Robin Hood, um, that sort of calibre of film where he's got this big idea, this big sort of serious, grand historical kind of drama and that's what he wants to go for exodus gods and kings as well from from last late last year not that i'm calling it historical but there's like you kind of you that's the guy who turns up and his films are usually a bit crap and usually he promises like a director's court which will expand on things and occasionally when people see those like kingdom of heaven they'll go oh yeah the director's cut was much better and you should watch that rather than theatrical cut fair enough okay then you've also got the guy who seems to do a lot of studio-led films and i don't think i'd be wrong in saying that the martian feels more like a studio film what i mean by that is there's there's a project there there's a book they've gone right we can make some money out of adapting this who do we get in well we can get who should we cast in the main role with oh, Tom Hanks is getting on a bit. Should we get Matt Damon? Yeah, let's get Matt Damon. He can be the astronaut stranded on Mars who's also a botanist and has to survive on the planet for nearly sort of 500 days. Fair enough. Okay, who should we get to direct it? Should we get Spielberg? Oh, no, he's busy doing that film with Hanks. Of course he is. Yeah, okay. What about Ridley Scott? What's he up to? We'll get Ridley Scott. It's kind of... That's the that's the feel of The Martian. Okay, it's um, a big studio film. It's a 12A. It's over two hours long. Lots of money pumped into it. I mean, it looks every like well, every they had, penny. They had to go to on. Mars to film it, so I mean, on location, yeah. I believe yeah. it was, yeah. Um, but it cost 108 million dollars to make. Okay, 
It looks it. But the, what happens is I think it's also another way for them to show off the special effects. So the first half of the film is almost entirely, almost entirely, because you do get shots back on Earth of um, Jeff Daniels as the head of NASA and uh, Sean Bean and uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, who are all trying to find... Oh, and Benedict Wong, of course, because Ridley Scott. Um, I love that Benedict Wong is brilliant. But you, you kind of have them trying to figure out a way to... Um, at first announce that Matt Damon's character is dead and then when they realise he's not dead he's actually stuck on Mars after his crew um, had to very quickly leave the planet during a, a really horrible storm you then so you're focusing on these guys in NASA you're also focusing on, on Matt Damon's character and that bit is really interesting I mean, it's fascinating which, which is in a way a bit opposite to the book then because the book I really enjoyed the book really good but the book for for most I'd say probably the third, third maybe slightly more is pretty much solely focused on Matt Damon's character Mark Watney I think isn't the surname yeah. Watney anyway yeah. um, and you think you know I'm enjoying the book but it's starting to drag a bit because there's a lot of technical stuff about what he's doing to, to survive yeah. and you start thinking well the whole book is going to be like this it's going to wear thin. I'm going to get bored of it. And then and then kind of a point, the NASA side of it and the Earth-based side of it come in and that kind of saves the book. It's, you know, pretty good book. But, you know, it's the first half of the book does start to, to drag a bit because of that reason. Even yeah, though, even though, the... what, even though Watney's a, a good character. Yeah, I wouldn't say the, the film um, drags. I don't think it, it drags because I... Uh... If you like a good sci-fi film, okay, not an action film, it isn't an action film, the closest you could get to calling it that would maybe be saying it's um, a sort of adventure. It's an action film like Gravity was an action film, you know, in that there are action sequences in it, but they're not what is typically considered like an action thriller, you know. It's just things clattering into each other and lots of bangs and stuff and problems that have to be overcome um with science but you know it, it's a, it's a good film it is led mainly by um damon's performance as mark watney i think he's got a lot of humor in his character he's a really likable fella which is good um because it means you, you actually start to get interested in what he's doing you actually give a shit about the fact that he's trying to create grow potatoes on mars using human feces you know, it's kind of, a, it's good. It's interesting. It makes you think about what you would do in a situation. Um, it also made me think that I really, really, really wished this was a biopic because it felt very much like a biopic because I wanted to read more about this Mark Watney. I wanted to know more about this guy. I wanted to know his backstory. I wanted to know what how he got off the planet. I wanted to know what his life was like after, if he possibly did manage to get off the planet. You know, it's kind of one of those things that, Having seen Everest um, a week or two ago, it, it's everything that Everest didn't do with its characters. Everest was very much, this is a group of people, this is the situation. Okay, It's horrible because they're real. Whereas this is, like you, this is really fascinating, even though the guy isn't real. I really wished it were, um, although it would be horrible for someone to be stranded on Mars for like two years, I imagine. 
But it's 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 just brilliant. The second half of the film, and I will just wrap this up very quickly, just to say um, as little as possible without spoiling it. The the second half of the film does feel a lot like Gravity or Interstellar, because you know in Interstellar, Damon's character is stranded on a planet on his own for a while, which is a weird coincidence. It's it's that kind of use of special effects of um, the the sort of uh, what's the word the kind of uh, you know the dynamics of it the um, you know the spaceship spinning around and you see the perspective from the guy's helmet as he's stuck inside something and the other characters who are on a spaceship etc so you know it's kind of yeah I won't say much more than that but the, the second half of the film was very reminiscent of Gravity but it was what Gravity should have been in my opinion um, I think Gravity got a lot of accolades because it was it looked brilliant yeah. rather than the story. Whereas this has got more interesting, more um, more there to to keep you watching, basically. It's it's good yeah. that they've kept it uh, as you know, you know Damon's managed to pull off the role of the character from the book because they the I guess it's the same in the film, but a fair bit of the the book is well, the majority of the book is the guy on Mars on his own. Mm, and, he, and, yeah. he, and he does crack jokes. He's quite a funny character as well as obviously get all the serious stuff he's going through. And if Damon had got that wrong and just came across as a massive dick, then no one's going to like the film. No, he doesn't. It doesn't come across as a dick. But that's he just what I com- mean. He comes off. He comes off well. He does it well. If he hadn't, if he, it wouldn't matter what Jeff Daniel, everyone else's mm. characters like. If he was, if he was bad in this film, it would be a complete washout. Yeah, and I think part of the the credit has to go to the writing as well. I think Andy Weir is the author of the book. But you've got um, the uh, guy who wrote the screenplay for this is is a fellow called Drew Goddard, um, who uh, he did a really, really good job with this, I think. Okay, Uh, Brooker, if you're still there, talk us through the intern. (laughs) Uh, Fucking hell. So the intern, (laughs) oh God, no. The intern is Robert De Niro in maybe the worst film I've seen so far this year. Wow. Now, I've seen some awful shit this year. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's it's the story of a a very middle-class pensioner who's got far too much time on his hands now he's retired (laughs) and doesn't want to do anything except go back to work so he gets a job as an intern for Anne Hathaway's internet clothes company and hilarity is supposed to ensue it really don't it I just I I can't even get excited to talk about this film. I hated it so much. It it's like it's probably the most painful film experience I've had for quite a while. I I went to the cinema to watch it and this this film sold out its screening. It's the first screening I've been to that was genuinely sold out. Every seat was full. And I I don't know why but everybody was laughing. The entire cinema was pissing themselves laughing at this film. It wasn't funny. There was not one, not even a half decent joke anywhere to be seen as this 
pensioner has the piss taken out of him for being old. And Anne Hathaway has the piss taken out of her for not being old. I just don't get it. <laughs> I... It doesn't. It doesn't sound great. I think we we had this conversation before about yeah. who's going to review this. Are we going to review this? Um, and <laughs> kind of ducked out of it. Well, the and... thing is, yeah. To, to be honest, it's, it's the reviewing part of it is all right because it's it's nice to. Like when I wrote the Sicario review, it took me ages to write it because I thought it was such a good film. I didn't know really how to write a good review about it without putting spoilers in. And it was really nice to go to watch a film. I knew that at best was going to be all right and was going to be a bit of fun to write. And it turns out that I managed to get all my anger from the last six weeks or so out (laughs) in this review. It was so, so bad. I, you know... I've reviewed really shit movies for 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 the site before, and it's not been a problem at all. But this one was just—it was so bad. I wanted to say something nice, and there was nothing nice to say. You know, I think Anne Hathaway's mm. hilarious, but she's not in this. You know, I think, like I said earlier, with analyze this, I think Robert De Niro can be really funny, but in this, he's just the butt of everybody's jokes. You know, and it's just horrendous. This absolute, these meaningless subplots that keep getting put in for less than no reason. I, I don't know. I couldn't. I genuinely couldn't find anything worth recommending. Maybe, mm. maybe the trailers beforehand. <laughs> I saw a trailer so, for The Martian. Why, why did you go and see the film then? For shits and giggles. <laughs> that sounded like that's exactly what you had. Pretty much. Just well, just shit. Yeah, well, it's not many giggles. No, no. Well, you know, I mean, I kind of, I kind of go into this, this whole thing, you know, and I have, I've said it for years. I can't only sit and watch the films that are going to win Oscars. You can't appreciate all the really good films unless you watch a bit of Dross as well. <laughs> but, That's absolutely true. But fucking hell, just don't trust me when I say this is beyond dog shit. You know, I would literally rather sit and lock eyes with my dog while she crapped across an entire field. <laughs> they do that, though. They do. Dogs, all the they time. Like they have to look you in the eye. Yeah, yeah. they do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's is... a line from, from your review that made me quite sort of chuckle as I was reading it. You said, it's about as funny as having your pubes plucked out one by one by an angry monkey with paws made of fire. Yeah. That, I thought it was, it was pretty much that's enough for me to not bother with it. That's pretty much how I felt after I came out of it. Literally, yeah. I'd have rather have gone and had my ass waxed several times over. <laughs> I just, there's nothing good about it. Well, after the first time, it's probably all right having it done again. I don't know. I suppose it's still sting. Yeah. If there's nothing for the wax to grab on. Well, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> so, sounds but this, like you I mean, do. <laughs> but the, the, the talking, the mechanics of asshole waxing is much more interesting than this film was. It was, just don't. Hmm. Just don't give the... I, I think I've watched a couple of films that Nancy Myers has done in the past. I think she made What Women Want, which I remember when it came out, I remember quite enjoying. And I've watched again since, and it's fucking terrible. And that seems to be the order of the day for this woman's films. They're terrible. This film is just, it's a fucking abomination of a movie. Just don't watch it. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you've, you've both seen Sicario, the final 
uh, film we're going to review this week. So, uh, why don't you tell us a bit about it, and then you can both uh, tell us what you thought. Okay, so the the basic premise um, is Emily Blunt plays Kate Mesa, who is an FBI agent. She gets roped into kind of like a secret mission by Josh Brolin, um, and he kind of strong arms her boss. Uh, that might be a bit exaggeration, but basically she gets roped into Josh Brolin's crew uh, to work alongside Benicio Del Toro, who plays Alejandro. And they go in search of a Mexican drug kingpin, part of the cartel, uh, in Mexico. That's essentially all you need to know about the plot. I don't think it's worth saying anymore because it, it it's a film that's mainly about the atmosphere, about the um, violence, everyday accepted violence by the, the people of, of Mexico in these towns, in these sort of border towns, um, and the drug trafficking and the war that's, that's going on in the... It's like a civil war that, that gets swept under under the map and all Americans end up with is the after, aftermath. I think there's a point that they make about um, Emily Blunt's crew in America, who just go and save the hostages. And all they're doing is kind of sweeping up afterwards. They're not really involved in stopping this this crime. They're not there in Mexico. They're not getting ahead of the these guys. Um, all they're doing is waiting for shit to happen and then cleaning up. Um, so, the other thing you should know, it's by Denis Villeneuve, uh, or Villeneuve, I think you pronounce his name, who um, made uh, Prisoners, couple of years ago which was a really good thriller so that was one of those sort of films that kind of went under the radar that we mentioned that was a good uh, quite long but very good thriller uh, he also made enemy with jake gyllenhaal um which i think came out this year in the uk it was a long time coming out but it finally sort of made it to, to video on demand it it's well, uh, yeah, I think I've said enough about it. I think I've said enough for now. Brooker, you, you also saw this. So what was your opinion of Sicario? I loved it. I, I genuinely loved it. It's probably one of my favourite films of the year. Okay. So <laughs> why? Because I'm still in two minds about how much I liked it. I think it so... was... I think it was all... And I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his name and butcher it. It was the director's work. <laughs> uh, I, th- I thought he'd done a spectacular job of making the film. I thought every, I mean, I thought that every single shot was really like tense and like edge of your seat. And yeah. like, I found myself really quickly quite heavily invested with the characters in this film. You know, I, I really wanted them to, to get their bit done. I, you know, I really wanted yeah, Emily Blunt to do well. I, I, and I was really impressed at things like because Benicio del Toro's character is so, so cliched, but he he was so so great in it. He was exceptional, wasn't he? He was spe- he was fucking terrifying. He was brilliant, really good. Um, but and I, I think I said this in my review. He was one of it's one of my favorite roles, probably my favorite role of his since he was in The Usual Suspects. And yeah, yeah. And I thought he was just spectacular. And when actually, because it comes out what next week or the week after, 
I will probably try and find time to go and watch it again just so I can see him again. Yeah, it, it comes out on the 8th of October over here, actually. So there's still a, still a couple of weeks. So um, plenty of time for a bit more hype to build up about it because I don't think there has been much hype. There hasn't. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest, actually. The only reason I heard of it was when I got my Unlimited card back. And I instantly got an email telling me there was a screening for it. So I started looking into it. That's the only way I heard of it. I saw a couple of trailers uh, for it in the cinema the weeks, you know, the week or so heading mm-hmm. up to it. But I haven't seen, you know, I've not seen a single thing on the TV about it. Nothing. And I think it's a it's a real shame, actually. Obviously, it's got another week or so before it comes out. But it could really do with a bit more, bit more marketing. Because I think a lot of people, I think, are going to miss it. And that would be a real shame. Yeah, it would because it, it's it's a good film. Okay, so I'm just gonna kind of give an overview of why I'm not sure how much I like it yet. One thing that we talked about was uh, the direction. I think the direction of it is fantastic. I think it's it's very well shot. I think there's some absolutely gorgeous individual scenes here. I mean, just the it just looks incredible all the way through. I think Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, um, as well as Benicio Del Toro, all do a fantastic job. They're all really uh, engaging as their characters, and you, you're kind of rooting for Emily Blunt because she, she, does a really, she does really well with her character. Also, I kind of like Daniel uh, Kaloya, who plays her mate, who's this British guy who I've seen in lots of like um, uh, comedy things. He was in uh, Harry and Paul... And he was in Psychoville and stuff like that. You know, it's just like, it's weird to see him in this big film. Yeah. Um, but um, um, he, he was great as well. He was great. And he didn't even care. He had an American accent instead of a British one. Um, what I wasn't so sure about was the writing. So what I mean by that is some of it felt a bit uh, sloppy bit convenient i thought josh brolin's character as good as he was and i did like josh brolin in this i thought he was very uh charismatic and, uh, and sort of you got a feel for his character straight away just from his presence yeah um sort of the first time you're introduced to him is at this big head office meeting of where the fbi are and he's just wearing flip-flops and <laughs> shorts and stuff and you, you've, you've got you it's just great it's just you very know exactly who he is didn't you the second you, you know him. yeah yeah, exactly. Um, but I thought some of the way that things got revealed throughout the plot were just so... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just me, but... It, yeah, yeah. It, it was just like... A, it, let's say Emily Blunt was in a room with Josh Brolin's character and they she wanted to know what the hell was going on. And he'd say, no, I can't, you know, I'm just... He'd, He'd say everything but what was really going down. And then she'd go, no, tell me. And he'd go, yeah, all right, okay. Yeah. And it just felt a little bit dumb. Yeah. Um, Which is a shame because everything else about it felt so much more intelligent than that. Um, But it, I don't know, maybe it's because um, the writer's sort of you, a bit inexperienced. Do you kind of get the feeling? Because I, I kind of thought and thinking about it a bit more, I don't know, but it kind of feels like they've had to do those. Oh, but if you don't tell me I'm leaving, oh, okay, you know, this is what's actually happening. Do you think this is to kind of maybe dumb it down 
Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah, but, I think it has been dumbed down. Which I think is a problem in a lot of films, and you know, catering to the lowest common denominator and treating us all like fucking idiots. Yeah, I mean, one as I was watching this, I thought this really could be the American version of something like uh, Gamora, yep. or the Italian film, or Elite Squad Two. Um, yep. it, it's got that kind of style, that look to it. It's got this. Not frantic pace, but a very um, energetic one. Uh, it's lively. Yeah. And it it kind of misses out on that by having a script that, that lets it down somewhat. Um, not that the story's... Uh, the story's fine. The story's all right. It wasn't that that was, that was making me just roll my eyes occasionally. It was just uh, the nature of the way things played out sometimes. Oh, um, that said, just to very finally, because I know Steve's trying to wrap us up, but the, <laughs> just the, the the final scene, um, not, maybe not the very final scene, but let's say the last ten minutes. Yeah. Okay, that bit was done very well. That did not play <clears throat> out who I thought it was going to. Didn't you want to cheer? Oh, I couldn't. I, I couldn't cheer. Wanted for that. To, I, I don't care how bad it was. I wanted to fucking cheer. Yeah, it's <laughs> very morally dubious, but in a kind of. But in, a, in, <laughs> but in a very much, yeah, I'd fucking do that as well. Kind I don't know. Like, uh, it's very dark. It's so very dark. Oh, it's exceptionally dark. And it yeah. it does, it raises, maybe raises more questions about me than it does about that film. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, it raises some very, very complicated questions about mm. people in general, I think. Yeah. And I really, really liked it for that. My biggest problem, actually, uh, with the film wasn't the film was remembering that this still i don't i think it's only just hit general release in the states mm. for the past three weeks i've been reading stories or at least seeing tweets from idiot vendors like variety talking about how they're already planning the sequel to it and that i think is a problem because yeah i could see how, how i could see how it was going to end and I, it kind of, it has a it has a con- it finishes a conclusion it finishes but... quite perfectly but the problem is the final scene you know how it's going to play out because you know there's another one coming uh, yeah it doesn't necessarily mean it will follow the same characters i guess yeah i suppose because it, that may be that might prove rather tricky um yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't hold my breath for a sequel. It might just be dependent on how well the film does. But, you know, it was made for a pittance comparatively. $30 million. Yeah. That's not a huge amount in this day and age. I, I think it'll easily, like easily make that back uh, yeah, in weekends yeah, in the States and here. I don't think it will struggle for that at all. Yeah. yeah. It was It was good. I did I did like it. Like I say, I just... I, just, I don't know. Maybe I need to see it again to yeah. fully I do. I mean, decide how... I, like I think I said to you previously, didn't I? It's, maybe it's a bold statement. I've seen a lot of good films this year, but I definitely think it's top five for me this year. Hasn't quite oh. beaten Mad Max, but it it's definitely top five for me. Okay, uh, that's all for for that uh, episode of the Fail Critics Podcast. Just one more thing to do before we go, and that's recommend you some films to watch for the week ahead. I'm going to go with Sunday. There's loads to watch on a Sunday. But if you go to ITV2 at around 1 o'clock in the afternoon, you'll be able to watch the great comedy Uncle Buck. 
in, incidentally, every time I look, because I usually go for a TV option for this recommendation, every time I look, every day, I reckon, without fail, one channel somewhere, either a Channel 5 channel or an ITV channel, is showing a Columbo movie. And Sunday's, off, <laughs> Sunday's offering is 5 to 1 on 5 USA, and that's Columbo, dead weight. Scores three and a half out of five, apparently. Mm. I've never seen a Columbo movie. Seriously, seriously, every day, I reckon, there's a Columbo movie on one of these channels. Anyway, Owen. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to recommend a Columbo movie. Um, On film four, on Thursday, quarter to 11 in the evening, is Under the Skin, one of my favourite films from last year, with Scarlett Johansson. Very divisive film. But it, 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 yeah, I loved it. I thought it, I thought it was brilliant. Um, Brooker, lucky I, uh, I wrote two down because I wrote Under the Skin as well. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did write a second one because I thought, yeah, Owen will probably pick that. I'll one. probably do that. I did. Uh, so actually, Saturday night, Sunday morning, twenty past twenty past two in the morning. Jesus. So, mm. Yeah, yeah. Set your recorder. Don't stay up to watch it. Uh, on film four is Memento which everybody needs to watch because it's just spectacular. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is now this all for this week's podcast. We'll be back next week with something a bit special for all of you, um, but we'll release more details of that in the week. Um, of course, thank you all for listening and join us again next week. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes. Created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.